On ABC Radio, you are with Rod Quinn. Now, it's very rare, perhaps, that uh, our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, gets a mention with our US correspondent, Celeste Katz-Marston. But that is the case this morning. Celeste, good morning. Good morning. Now, I know this is going to surprise you, but Scott Morrison's actually making the news in the United States. Well, he's making the news in Australia, but we'll get to that in a moment. Because we've had a, a, a State Department, the State Department, who is basically the Foreign Affairs Department, they've released, or it seems, there's the stories now about the gifts that um, various members of the Trump administration, including the former president, or then President Donald Trump, were given while he was in office. Now, let's start by talking about uh, the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, uh, and what he got and whatever happened to it. What is the story here? Yeah, there is a story out right now that the Japanese government gave a bottle of whiskey to uh, the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, which sounds like a nice gesture, except the bottle was valued at nearly $6,000, and now nobody can find it. Yeah. And so there is a there is a, a a hunt on to figure out what happened to this thing. So in a notice filed in the Federal Register, the department said this Department of State said it could find no trace of the bottle's whereabouts and that there is an ongoing inquiry into what happened to the booze. Now, is it possible you swallowed the evidence? <laughs> Well, uh, is this is this sworn testimony or am I speculating here? <laughs> well, we should point out uh, Mike Pompeo says he knows nothing about the gift or the inquiry, one of his representatives said. Um, and, of course, the department is required to record gifts given to U.S. officials and keep track of what happens to them. Uh, recipients of gifts worth more than $390 U.S. Uh, can turn them over to the National Archives or purchase them for personal use by reimbursing the Treasury Department for their value. So why is this one the one that's caused the most fuss? Is is the Mike Pompeo bottle of scotch? Or whiskey, I should say. It's not scotch. Yeah, I mean, I, there could be a couple of things going on there. I mean, I think that there's sort of, after the change of administration, sometimes there's a, an accounting or a reckoning. Um, and, you know, to, to be clear, Pompeo says he doesn't know anything about this bottle, that he was... Uh, apparently, he was in Saudi Arabia. The uh, representatives of Japan gave the bottle to the State Department. Uh, this is in like 2019. Um, so it's it's not clear exactly whether he knew about it or what he knew about it. But um, you know, this is this is part of an ethical process that goes on in the government. I'm sure you know you have something similar. People can't just be taking a bunch of freebies and um, you know uh, gifts and and uh, that sort of enticements, I guess, might be another word. You know, you can't just, it can't be a free-for-all. They keep track of these things. Presidents get, you know, an untold number of gifts uh, sent to them, and they don't get to just walk away with those things after they're finished being president, finished being in office. You know, those things, they basically end up like in a museum. But they're all very carefully tracked, and this one seems to have uh, gotten away somehow. Well... Now, and people might be wondering, well, hang on, Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, he visited with Donald Trump, and did he give him a gift? And Celeste, the answer, of course, is yes. The Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, gave Trump a framed photo of the president, so they knew what to do, give him a picture of himself, because he'd love that. 
um, uh, for, okay. for the president and his wife worth $470 US. So it must be a very nice frame that was in. I don't know that the picture would be worth that much. Uh, but they didn't stop there, Celeste. He also gave him a small bronze statue of Australian World War II hero Leslie Allen. And Melania Trump got a pair of gold stud earrings. That's nice, isn't it? Very. It doesn't end there, though. He didn't bring me anything. No. Trump, uh, (laughs) oh, here we go. But Donald Trump gave uh, Scott Morrison more than $10,000 worth of gifts. How about that? So he got a picture and uh, she got a gold earrings. But Scott Morrison got a $3,700 framed map of the Coral Sea, because that, of course, was a big battle in World War II that cemented our friendship. There was a $3,700 model of the USS Canberra, a $3,000 calfskin leather photo album, and this, what about this one? A $1,200 Paul Revere silver Tiffany bowl. Paul Revere was a silversmith. What about that? They're pretty good presents, aren't they? I would say that's, that's very generous, and I'm presuming this all happened on my dime as an American taxpayer, and I, I certainly don't uh, begrudge uh, anything to, to anyone, but uh, that is a very generous series of, of gifts. Was was this when they met? I'm trying to remember. Uh, did they meet back in New York uh, at the USS Intrepid or something? Uh, no, like I a, think that was a, Malcolm a Turnbull. That was uh, Malcolm Turnbull oh, was right there. Okay. I think uh, Scott Morrison turned up... Certainly they had a dinner for him at the White House and also they went to, a, I think, a, a factory um, and sort of, you know, that was pretty exciting for Scott Morrison. But what about this? some of these other presidents? Uh, he got an Ottoman Empire rifle. This is not from us, but from the Prime Minister of Bulgaria, valued at $8,500. A bronze sculpture of an Arabian horse worth $7,000 and a gold onyx emerald and diamond statue of an Arabian oryx worth Six and a half thousand dollars. So, boy, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. These presents going around. I mean, surely, what would you want if you were visiting, uh, you know, a world leader? What what do you think they should give? You know, what what should they give? Maybe a, you know, a some kind of uh, you know travel book or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because, and I'm sure there are there are books and books and pages and pages of protocol about how to do this, because it's, it's actually sort of a delicate point of diplomacy. You don't want to look as if you're, um, you know, overdoing it, but at the same time, you don't want to be sort of cheap. I think people get out of this a lot of time by presenting something and say, like, this is a, a handmade craft or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that that represents some part of, uh, you know, American culture or arts or technology or something like that. I guess, you know, the standard should be that it should be something unusual, um, that you can't really go out and buy. It yeah. should be something that is unique and meaningful, but it doesn't have to be worth a ton of money. I mean, that that seems like a, a, a bit extreme. I'd like to know this Paul Revere thing. I mean, was that made by Paul Revere? I mean, he didn't work for Tiffany, so maybe it's a brand they have or a, you know, something that they have, a Paul Revere bowl, but I'd be very interested to find out what happened to these, and I would think that in the next few days the Prime Minister will be asked about them. Now... Uh, A big, big story, though, is what President Biden said when asked about the governor of New of yeah the the governor of New York State, and that is um, uh, Cuomo, uh, Andrew Cuomo, 
Uh, he was asked, should he resign? The answer is yes. That's what the president said, and they're both Democrats. What has Andrew Cuomo done that is so terrible? Well, there were a number of uh, accusations of uh, sexual harassment and inappropriate contact, touching uh, of women that worked for him, with him, uh, and around him in uh, New York state government. And so there was a massive, massive independent investigation sort of organized by the state attorney general. Uh, And this came out to like a 168-page report, exceptionally detailed with, you know, dozens and dozens of of interviews um, that basically came out to say that, yeah, the governor uh, mistreated, harassed, uh, was totally inappropriate towards lots of different women. Um, he's denying that he did anything wrong. He is uh, refusing to resign. Everyone from the president on down, as you say, is calling for him to get out. And it looks like at this moment, unless he's resigning while we're on the uh, on the air here, um, looks like he's headed for an impeachment. So why does he think he can kind of brazen this out? You know, it's interesting, and I think a lot of people were actually quite put off by his response to the investigation. He didn't do it at a live press conference. He did it in a a taped statement, a video. Um, And he basically said, look, the kind of person I am is I am somebody who is physical with people. A, is physical with people. Like I hug and kiss people, men, women, old, young, this, that. Um, And also that I'm a tough boss. And also that we live in a, a really superheated rhetoric period of of history and all these things sort of he says came together to uh have people paint a very unflattering and unfair picture of him he doesn't think he did anything wrong and uh a lot of evidence points to the contrary you know asking people super inappropriate questions about their private behaviors and preferences making untoward comments um you know according to this report he even sort of caressed or fondled in some way a state trooper, a female state trooper that was assigned to his protective detail. Um, And in another case, uh, he was sort of um, giving a woman an unwanted kiss, I believe, at a wedding reception. And this was photographed and ended up in the newspapers. And you can see this woman physically cringing, incredibly uncomfortable. Um, The governor is sort of towering over her and and has his hands on her. And... uh, you know, this is all very interesting because he had been up until this point and sort of remains uh, very outspoken about respect towards women um, and equal rights and equal protections for women, that women shouldn't be victimized or minimized or abused in any of these uh, pretty much a lot of the exact same ways that um, he's accused of treating women right now. It's, it's, it's all sort of shocking. And uh, this is certainly not Um, The first time a governor of New York has gotten in trouble for this kind of behavior, Um, Andrew Cuomo became governor shortly after the resignation of Elliot Spitzer, who was, that was different because he was involved in like a prostitution type situation. But uh, yeah, New York just can't seem to get a break these days. Well, uh, yes, New York governors resigned because of sex scandals. I think uh, Illinois governors resigned because of financial scandals. Uh, Anyone who's really, the uh, Elliot Spitzer case, um, there's that fantastic documentary, it's called Client Nine or something like that, is just incredible about Elliot Spitzer. Um, Maybe, you know, uh, Chris Cuomo, it's not Chris Cuomo, that's his brother on CNN. Maybe Andrew Cuomo thought, oh, well, this is how uh, Bill Clinton became president. I'll just follow the same path. 
I don't know. And I mean, look, Andrew Cuomo is a, a guy who had made quite a few political enemies and yeah. has been, you know, sort of very abrasive and domineering. So he found himself right away without very many friends, you know, Democrats, people who would naturally be his allies, people in his own party, wanted nothing to do with him. I think a lot of Democrats would be more than happy to see him gone, yeah. not just because they may have their own aspirations, but they just don't like him. Mm. Who would take over if he resigned or was impeached? Well, we do have a lieutenant governor system, so the lieutenant governor would become would serve out the rest of the term, which is what happened in the case of Elliot Spitzer. David Patterson was the lieutenant governor at the time and became governor, uh, and then there would be an election, and the lieutenant governor could run, or uh, other candidates could could uh, come up and get into the ring. But okay. certainly not the greatest time. We're still in the throes of pandemic exactly. on top of everything else that's going on. Uh, David Patterson, he was vision impaired. He was blind. Was that right? Yeah, he was. He was legally blind. He had been a, um, a prominent figure in the New York State Senate, somebody I covered for a long time, covered him when he ran for lieutenant governor. He did launch a campaign for governor, but uh, he ended up um, he ended up not actually serving okay. um, uh, another full term as governor. All righty. Now something that may affect people in Australia at some point down the track. Uh, the Biden administration is planning to require foreign visitors to be fully vaccinated. I mean, a lot of planes won't let you on unless you're fully vaccinated, so you know, not quite sure how people will get there. But I guess there are plenty of countries. I don't think Australians will be you know, going to the US in great numbers for a couple of years, but obviously there are people from the rest of the world who will be there. And how are they going to enforce this? I mean, what happens if you turn up and you've only had one? Do they just put you on the plane and send you home? Yeah, that's the big question. Is it, How is it going to be enforced? How is it going to be documented? Will there be these vaccine passports? And there are also a lot of questions about what countries get on the list. They're saying almost everybody. Well, who gets who gets exempted or who gets treated differently and why? Because, you know, obviously we all know this is global. No place really seems, or very few places, if any, really seem uh, immune to this thing. I mean, there were a couple of cases maybe where smaller places completely, completely shut down their borders, tourism, international business. But for the most part, it's everywhere. And I just don't know uh, how they're really going to regulate this effectively. But, mm. um, you know, with the Delta variant, Delta Plus yeah. variant, I think the, the administration wants to be um, extra cautious about, about international travel. As indeed they should be. And just finally, you know, we've had a huge mouse plague, especially in western New South Wales, Hmm. Boston, though, this is unbelievable. 18%. They are the second worst in the country for rodent infestations. 18% of households reported seeing rodents. Uh, what about your place? Uh, I don't, I mean, no rats. I think we saw a, a mouse once or twice, or we caught a mouse once or twice. We haven't seen anything in a while, but, you know, it's... Uh, um, it's not that scary. I mean, rats are scary and dangerous. Mm. And, you know, these things can carry fleas and diseases and stuff like that. Not people that you want sort of, you know, living in your house rent-free. Yes. Um, but, yeah, Boston is, is right up there. You would have thought Why? New York, right? But it's actually Philadelphia, Boston, Washington are the, uh, the yeah. top three. But why? What attracts the rodents? Um, you know, it, it could be a lot of things. It could be... Um, you know, 
holes in, you know, ways for them to get in. It could be trash that's left out, you know, um, nice. cracks in the walls, openings in the roof, uh, buildup of trash. And obviously, you know, during the pandemic, trash service got a little disrupted in a lot of places. But um, it's basically, you know, where where they can uh, where they can get in, where they can get access to food and warmth. Ugh. Ugh, I hate. Th- I mean, I hate them. I we don't have them, thank God. But really. You leave something out, and it's going to attract them, though. You know, mice, rats, whatever. If you leave food outside, or if you've got a compost bin that might have spilled over, or something, that's bad. That's that will attract them. I don't know whether you have them in apartments. Yes. Yeah. It will. It will. Yes. And uh, a lot of the housing, the apartment housing in in uh, this area too, is um, you know, it looks like a house, but it's actually like two or three apartments within a house. So right. it's not like a high rise building. Um, and they find ways to get in. They do. Just like politi- yeah, just like politicians. Look, um, Nigel in Melbourne says maybe all heads of state should institute a form of Kris Kringle or a secret Santa. Ten dollars maximum. They all give one and they all get one. What about that for uh, for presents? I'm for it. I'll uh, I'll mention it the next time I drop by Washington. <laughs> exactly. It's a perfectly solid plan. <laughs> Hey, don't forget, if you do go to Washington, take a present for the president. Uh, there's a whole episode of the West Wing all about it, of course. Celeste, thank you very much. Talk to you next, uh, well, in two weeks' time, I think. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Celeste Katzmaston in Boston.